0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
1: As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Giel Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Giel Asselin.
2: Yes, good afternoon and good evening, everyone. Bonsoir à ceux qui écoutent depuis un pays francophone. It's nice to be back. I'm happy to be back. As you know, if you listen to the past two episodes, um, Altair uh, was my guest, and I think he had so much uh, so much to share, so many beautiful stories. And so my routine, in a sense, it's... a uh, it got me into a very different routine, you know, the routine of preparing for a show and, and recording with a guest is very different, and that's just fine. I think it gives us uh, just a different um, bump along the road, in a sense, and um, and I'm glad it happened, and um, I'll tell you we'll be back, I think, for a couple more shows, uh, most likely early to mid-July. Uh, I haven't decided yet. It depends on what goes on in the next few shows and wh- what comes to me. Uh, usually, as I said earlier, I usually do not decide about a show until maybe uh, 8 to 10 days before. And it's based on what um, what I receive from, from without or from within sometimes. Uh, this week I wanted to talk about um, unity consciousness because it's something that we built and that we shared uh, Altaïr and I and all of you um, for the past two weeks, and I think it's a very, a very important uh, theme. It's a very important um, essence, in a sense, of who we are and, uh, as human beings, as sentient beings. And then, about eight days ago, something came about um, this need for closure, and uh, from many different places. And so uh, I listen. I listened, and, and and the more I listened, the more I could, you know, the more I could find um, things I could tell about in terms of closure, closing, and closure. Um, and the first thing I'm diving light in, I wasn't planning to do. That. It's very interesting. I'm just following my my instinct in the show. I was planning to keep this notion of closing and closure for the next segment, but since we are here. And since I naturally went into it, um, I'm going to keep going. but um, a couple of things where we were closing, um, and then a friend of mine, when she um, learned about the topic for this week, uh, I sent um, I sent an announcement to about a hundred people on email um, and um, she, she, you know she connected to the topic because she just broke up with a boyfriend, and she may here today, she may be here today. And, and uh, she was asking me for advice and it's, um, it's not easy, uh, you know, when you don't know exactly the, the context, I think. It's, that's why I'm going to give so, some examples about uh, some instances about closing and closure, uh, things that happen. And, and in some situations, we may, you know, we may reach out for, for a sense of peace with what happens, a sense of uh, a transition, I often mention this concept of um, walking out and walking in. You know, when something doesn't work for you, it could be a place, it could be an environment, it could be a situation, or it could be a a work relationship, whatever it is, I think um, it's a good idea to think about, you know, am am I hurting myself by staying where I am? And if I don't have the courage, if I don't muster the courage to move out of where I am, nothing else is going to change. And maybe it's it's simply a message from the universe that this is not the place or this is not the person or this is not the relationship that was meant to to be. So the universe, you know, is a very subtle um, entity, has a very subtle essence, and it sends us uh, messages. Uh, my friend, we just woke up with a boyfriend. She said, you know, there were signs, and I didn't... Uh, Heed the signs, and, and, and sometimes that happens, I guess. It's, um, and sometimes the signs are very different. Um, maybe the first example of, of closing and closure, uh, sometimes they, they go together, and in this, case, in this case, there's closing, obviously, and there's no closure because I don't feel the need for closure. And this may be a cultural thing as well. So for the past 20 years, almost 21 years, um, I've owned... Uh, a company, a small training and consulting company working in the field of uh, cross-cultural relations. And that's why I got all these uh, anecdotes and examples about at least um, between the two cultures I know best, between uh, France and the U.S., and some others as well. Um, but between these two, I can relate in terms of what does make sense, what does make cultural sense, what makes people tick and what doesn't. And, uh, and closure is a very different thing in France uh, as compared to the U.S., and um, so this company is coming to an end. It's about to close. I'm, I'm uh, in the process of dissolving the company. Uh, it's just a natural, um, I wouldn't even call it a natural death. It's just a natural a cycle, I would say. Uh, 20 years is, is a fairly long time in a life. You know, if we live like 60 to 80 to even 100 years, at least that's one-fifth of your life. And when I started the company, it made a lot of sense and that sense, even that, that goes along with making money, um, I must say, is no longer there. And um, I got lot of, lots of signs, and uh, I listened to them. That's why the reason I finally came to the, the decision or the process of closing the company. One of the, I remember one of the first signs, it was in 2002, so it's been 13 years already. And I took a trip to France. My, my colleague and I, we wrote a book on French-U.S. cultural relations called Au Contraire, uh, Figuring Out the French. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a book aimed mostly at non-French people. It's an English book at the beginning, uh, aimed at explaining um, French culture to, ang- I would say, to Anglo Anglo people. And amongst themselves, of course, a lot of anecdotes between the U.S. and France. And so we took a trip to France to at least four or five different cities uh, to promote the book in 2002, two years after its uh, publication, the first publication. And during that trip, I mean, we we presented um, with somewhat of a good um, rapport, I would say, with the audiences that we met. But we sold so very few books. I mean, sometimes we sold like two or three books or sometimes five, six. I mean... And I started thinking to myself, you know, did we invest that much money into the trip, into the airfare, into renting a car, into the hotel and everything else? And in the end, we got to sell maybe at the most like altogether maybe 25 books. And I thought to myself, you know, what is going on here? What, what is the message? And uh, in the end also, we, you know, sometimes you, you get business out of these presentations because there's some uh, business people in the audience. And in this case, no business at all, nothing. Not a single phone call or follow up, and we had you know uh, uh, folders to give out our uh, websites and, and business cards and some of the sh- some of the presentations were sponsored by business uh, chambers of commerce and um and so it's one of the sign, but I think I heard it very clearly and um I, I kept questioning things uh, and um and then it's interesting, came along the year 2008, we uh, started working with a large company, a large French company doing business um, in almost all over the world. And that was very beneficial to us and to some of our colleagues with whom uh, we work. And, and it's interesting, I didn't see it as, um, as an anti-sign that we were supposed to, um, to keep going. And things went on, and I guess there was um, something called um, the global crisis, I guess in around 2009, which didn't really help, especially in our field. You know, people tend to see those um, kind of services as non-essential. You know, when the economy is doing well, you pay attention to the to the intangible, to what makes communication and relationships um, easier, but you don't invest as much when times become more crunched, um, and when you did, I don't know to save. Uh, and uh, and go according to the bottom line and so yeah, a few years down the road i mean um we started losing customers and i remember one 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 time i think it was in April of May possibly 2010 or 11 that week i remember between tuesday and thursday we lost three customers in a row one on tuesday one on wednesday one on thursday and i thought to myself wow i was kind of blown away uh, it's so it's so so mystical i mean and one of them decided to leave and more or less let us know. And I learned from someone else in New York the next day that this company, which was a client of ours in the U.S., uh, had decided not to invest in the U.S. anymore. And at first, I don't know exactly what happened, but um, one last company, um, in a sense, um, ended our contract with us. And I thought, you know, this is clearly a sign. And I was reading, I mentioned the book by Bill Plotkin, um, Nature and the human soul. And he give a very similar example about a consultant that takes a, a journey, a soul journey with, with, with him uh, across the not so much the desert, but I think it's some place in, um, in southwest uh, Colorado, where uh, Bill Plankin conducts his, uh, his soul journeys out in the nature. And the same thing, the consultant you know came back of this uh, um, soul journey in the desert. And the first thing that happened when I was back in the office is started losing customers, and not just a few, but uh, more than a few. And again, I think it's what's what I'm saying: is you start to to open up to what to what is to what is meant to come when you start to um, to open your heart. But also, I would say, the expression that I like to use is to create space. You have to create space within yourself, you know, so that the new can come in. And uh, it goes back very well with uh, the theme that I I was talking before having Altaï on the the show is to plow the field. You know, we have to plow the field. We have to prepare ourselves. And sometimes it's just a question of throwing away things that we don't need. It could be physical things if you're in the process of moving or closing something, but it could be emotional things or it could be beliefs that you no longer need. And... um, I think that is very important. And um, I think when you receive those kinds of signs, like the one I received when I, we lost three customers in one week, in three days, and when the consultant lost customers as well, I mean, we have to say yes to the universe. You know, you say yes, and in the first place, we have to say yes, thank you for listening. Because it's sort of a communication between your heart and the universe. You know, what, what Altair called the shared art. It is about unity consciousness, and it's about the you, the you of unity and the you of universe listening to what we need in our lives, and I think it's very important that we we heed those signs, and at first, it may seem a bit scary to leave the the certainty of a situation, if it's especially a a relationship with someone, um, even a marriage, Um, there's a lot we've built, a lot have been shared, you know, um, together. And um, in those 20 years I spent in the field of uh, cross-cultural relations, I, I built some very good friendships that I will keep. At the same time, there are some people I won't see anymore because um, I'm no longer going to those conferences where people uh, come and present and gather. And, and it's, it was very pleasant to be there just because of the people I was, I was seeing. And, and things come to an end, but it's not... Uh, it doesn't have to be the end of the world in a sense. You know, there's a way there's a way beyond that. It's been very pleasant, but then, you know, what knows what no know, who knows what lies behind and beyond? I, I think um, I think confidence, um, confidence in our connectedness to, to what is, the I am and the what is, you know, the unity consciousness and, and the we in a sense. Uh, it's very important. It's uh, something we need to honor and, and acknowledge, and uh, and move according to this um, forward pattern, I would say. And, and that being said, again, I'm talking in a very general terms, so I can't tell exactly what you know how to do things, how to move forward, and how to honor this this relationship between uh, our individual self, uh, I am, and uh, we are. So our company is closing. And uh, in this case, uh, I use the word closing because um, interestingly, I don't, I don't really feel a need for closure. Um, and I was thinking I had to look into my dictionary to see what the translation is in French. And there's, no, there's not a single word. I think the expression that, that works best in this case is turn the page, tourner la page. And that's it. You know, you turn the page and you start reading a new page. You start writing a new page in your life. And I think to me, that's what closure is all about. It's about the future. It's about, it's about building from, no, from now on. It's about, um, it's about honoring what comes next, uh, what comes um, into our lives, what wants to invite us, invite itself, sorry, into, um, into our lives. And um, you know, I don't feel the need to go around and tell my colleagues that, you know, this is the end. And I will be in connection and in relationship with some of them over over, over time, I guess. Um, and I will say, you know, this company is no longer functioning and that's just the way it is. There's no, there's no reason for tears in a sense. Um, I believe that the company served its purpose. We helped uh, quite a few people over the years um and some of them were grateful and, and especially the expats that we train on both sides of the uh, ocean uh some of them we kept in touch not not anymore but we kept in touch and they were grateful about some of the advice i mean some of them i even visited when we when, when i went to france and uh it's good to know that what we told them or taught them uh was somewhat uh, useful <laughs> it's very um reassuring in a sense So no no tears, no sorrow, uh, no burial in a sense. Uh, It's interesting because I was working with my coach, a person I call um, my energy coach, Scott Smith. Uh, We came onto the show at the end of April. And he's he's an empath, so he can sense things and energy within people. And when I mentioned the company, our company closing, he said, I cannot feel any fear in you. And it's... um, It's a very interesting comment because I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't think about fear. Uh, I could possibly but feel about or think about about things we haven't accomplished. Not so much regrets, but um, I don't know, something we could have done or possibly done better. Uh, Marketing, certainly we could have been done a much better job in terms of marketing, but maybe it wasn't meant to be the case. And so um, no fear again, no fear, no tear, um again I understand it's a very specific situation that doesn't encompass uh all the um examples or situations of of um closure and closing. But um it's one of them which is happening at this time. Um and I and I see myself in the transition, the transition that started a long time and of course three or four years, you know, the signs, the signs about the future were almost um almost invisible, I would say. And um, what you do in this case, um, again, it goes back to what I call spiritual confidence. And um, it's always easy. So that's what I wanted to share about in terms of my, this is my very personal experience in terms of of closing more than closure. Uh, And again, coming from a French perspective and based on what we did over over the past 20 years as Things are just happening, and it's just the end of one cycle and possibly the beginning of a new one. So thank you very much for listening. Become our
0: friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. surprise you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go, on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giel Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program.
2: Hello again. Welcome back, fellow listeners. Uh, thank you very much for listening again. Uh, in the previous segment, I was talking about this uh, this closure thing, closure and closing, and uh, mentioned a few words about um, the company that we just that uh, we are in the process of closing. And again, the end of the cycle. Uh, it's almost it felt. I think I mentioned the word also to to my coach. It felt very natural, very organic, and it, it's nice when it happens that way. In a sense, that something is supposed to supposed to end it's just it's just a natural um, going back to nothing, in a sense, I guess. And and we don't. It's like we don't have any more clients. So it's, it's not even clients to say goodbye to. I guess it's even easier. And so um, I'm very grateful for that. I guess it's been a very um, a very smooth um, transition into, again, sort of a passageway, passageway for me. I guess moving in from one end. I guess when a long part, 20 years, is a long part in terms of a professional career. And um, and what will come next? Uh, again, I think the the show itself. Uh, and again, my gratitude goes to the people at uh, Voice America and especially the the CEO Jeff Spannard, who found me last fall. But it allows me a very smooth transition into into something else that I'm not even fully aware of. And still about this this uh, topic of of closure, I wanted also to. To spend a couple minutes on this cultural difference here, again, it's France-U.S., but I'm sure there's great variations around the world. But in France, I don't think there's such a need to close and to feel closure about something. You know, just that's the way it is. C'est la vie. You know, that's the way life. That's life. And, and, and people and, and situations move on. And then um, one example I remember. I think it's more, many of them, but. Well, that's something that I learned in the U.S. is that um, oftentimes people who are married get divorced and they are better friends after their divorce. They even call them best friends than they were when they were married. And to me, it's really mind-blowing again. In France, usually when you have a divorce, it's because things are not going well and it could be very bitter. And then after that, people tend to stay away as much as possible. There may be kids, obviously, in the middle, but usually a divorce is not something which is very... Pleasant, it doesn't lead to a maintain, to maintain a friendship. And um, I can still picture one guy, uh, his name is Don Simons. Uh, he was a, a professor of accounting at UW Oshkosh when I was attending about 20 some years ago. And he was telling us, he was telling, I mean, a group of students, uh, I knew him fairly well because he was on a, a trip to France with the students and I was there to support them. And um, he was telling us about his marriage that ended maybe a couple months before and he was talking about his beautiful relationship with his ex-wife. And to me, it's like, wow, what is going on in this country? You know, it was so amazing. And um, again, things do not work the same in different parts of the world and something we have to acknowledge and not, especially not, not take for granted that even human needs you know, can be different. And a person's need for closure may not be met on the other side, especially across cultures. And that's just, I mean, that's just the beauty of life. I think life would be so boring if we were all built on the same model, if we were all built on the same conditioning. Another example also where you see differences between France and the U.S. is movies, you know, like um, comedy in a sense. In the U.S. and a lot of comedies, um, I'm thinking about a movie of the with a bride, I'm about a I don't remember the name of the actress. I'm not good with movies, but I mean, anyway, the, the, a marriage didn't take place. A wedding didn't take place. The, the wedding ended. Julia Roberts is the name that comes, uh, and Richard Gere, that the people who come. And um, in the end, I mean, there was like the last 10 minutes, there was a beautiful ending. And I think for 10 minutes, they were talking, I don't know what they're talking about, but I guess the point was, even though the, the theme of the movie was a bit tragic, in the end, it ended well. In France, you would skip the last ten minutes. It's it's too unnecessary in a sense, and they would. Um, the Runaway Bride. Someone is. Um, uh, thank you, Karen. The Runaway Bride is the movie I was talking about. But I guess to me, the last ten minutes of the movie are just useless because it's you adding something which is you know which doesn't bring any value. When in France, when you're in a movie like that, especially also a drama, a comedy, um, it's up in the air. That's where the movie ends, and then people make their own, you know, interpretation, make their own version, and and they start to interpret and analyze. And um, it's much more. The term that we use in our field is high context. You know, you don't say things. And then it's up to the people to pick up the ball halfway in a sense and make their own interpretations and 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 pick up the ball for themselves. that's also that the way the the high context cultures uh, communicate and um, and sometimes it could be a bit a bit confusing because again we are not all built on the same model, and if you don't understand the the way the message is being conveyed uh, it's very difficult so this is again a point to show that. This notion of closure may not be needed understood uh on the same level uh, across cultures. i'm not only mentioning France in the u s but I'm sure there's variations well, I don't know what closure means in china um, you know closure when I tend to think about it it's more in the emotional realm you know what do you need to close um what kind of feelings do you need to attend to what kind of um well, the one that comes to mind is ritual. And that that's, leads me very beautifully into the, the next um, story I wanted to tell. And it's both a story of, of closing and closure. Um, it's interesting because I would think the, the closure, meaning the ritual, took place a week before the uh, effective closing. And here I'm talking about our son's uh, daycare. I mentioned um, some weeks ago, a month ago, that uh, the daycare was about to close. We got the news back in February um, that for whatever reason, we learned it was a business decision. Uh, we eventually learned that, but the daycare was going to close on June 12th, and it did. And um, again, that's the way life is. It's not so much of a cycle, but um, I will spare the details here. And the good thing um, is that our sons and some of his friends had a chance to go for graduation. And again, I'm thinking about what does graduation mean uh, for a five-year-old? You know, it's, um, at least you can wear a hat, uh, a nice gown, and also you had a chance to sing songs, to move around the room, to get uh, pictures with your friends, and eventually you eat some ice cream. That's what happened, and um, that was good. And and my, my f- I didn't look at it, the, this this thing of a, this um, event of, of graduation with my my French eyes which can be very critical at times. But I looked at it, and again, in France, I don't think it would happen. I mean, until recently, there was no graduation, no commencement at a a college level. I think uh, in the university where I studied in Paris called Dauphine, uh, a friend of mine, uh, his son graduated about um, two years ago, and they had a commencement. So it has been going on, it is going on in private business schools as well. But 20, 20 years ago, there was no commencement, no nothing. I mean, 20, 25 years ago. And uh, just got my degree in the mail, and there was, that was it. There was no, again, no sense. It's closure, but it's also no sense of celebration. And I think that goes on. That goes, in, uh, sorry, that goes into the same, um, that goes well together. Closure and celebration. Uh, there was nothing like that. And I, again, I would look at it as a, as a cultural factor, a cultural um, reason for not doing anything and again things are changing and I find it interesting that it's it's moving towards the Anglo-Saxon way of because I guess maybe the French don't know how to do commencements and um, so I thought about it and I discussed it with my wife and initially it was a question of how do we transition to a different daycare so it was possible that he wouldn't go to the the graduation and eventually we decided to keep him until at least until June 5th when the graduation took place so that he could attend. And um, he was happy, but we didn't discuss with him the meaning of what he knew that the daycare was closing. And um, we didn't discuss the emotional you know, meaning of a graduation at this age. Um, but I thought it was still very important for for us and for him and his friends to, to go for this, uh, this ceremony. Uh, it was pretty emotional, especially on, on the teacher's side. I mean, some had been there for like 15, 19 years. And one woman who gave a, one of the pre K teachers who gave a speech was pretty emotional. And uh, I can understand that. It has been a very sudden decision. And um, in a sense, they were not given a chance to mourn, you know. Uh, and possibly for some of them, it was needed. Not so much for the kids at uh, this age. I think they are the ability to rebound pretty, pretty easily. And uh, our son's transition to to uh, transition to a new daycare was fairly, fairly smooth, fairly easy. Uh, he was a bit anxious on Monday morning, this past Monday, but by the end of the day, it was just the same. I mean, uh, we went to pick him up, and he was playing outside in the hallway with um, iPads and computers, and we had to wait another ten or fifteen minutes for him to. To follow us, and it's, it's very much this normal behavior, and um, obviously we are happy that this um, transition went well. Uh, does it have anything to do with uh, graduation? I don't know. I don't know to what extent he's attached to his friends. Um, he has still has a, a couple of his old friends in his in his new daycare. So, but um, again, it uh, it gave me a chance to reflect. And again, the timing is interesting because of what happens in my life, my professional life, and my parents' life as well, and his life and uh, my wife's life. So it was very interesting to um, to see things converging, and, and again, all altogether might be a sign that there's a, a convergence of of closing uh, that needs to be that need to be addressed, need to be. I don't know about your life. I'm not. Here to tell you about your life. I'm here to tell you about, in general terms, about what goes on, what I observe, um, how I look at life, and it's all again, it's all about spelunking. I think it's good when we don't quite know what to do. When this graduation happened, uh, we could have said no, and and eventually, I think we were keen on saying no at the beginning. But eventually, you know, we we saw the the good of it. We saw the the benefit uh, and I'm glad that we um, we accepted that and we we let him go through the for the process so these have been I' um, been good transitions and um, now what kind of advice do I, can I give in here it's a it's a bit difficult again because and it's also a French, uh, French part of me which says that it's, a lot of things are contextual. And it depends on the situation based on what goes on, based on what falls on your lap. You know, In the case of a daycare, there was no discussion possible. Uh, it was a business decision to close the daycare. And we, we, the teachers learned on Monday night. And on Tuesday morning, there was a letter in our kids' boxes explaining that the daycare would close uh, four months down the road no question asked. There were two sessions um, held, like private sessions held at the daycare to explain the decision to the parents and to help them choose a a different daycare within the network. There's a network of six daycares. And um, we decided to move out of the network for various reasons. And um, so again, kind of advice, I guess, Take this, this closing thing within and see what it, see what it checks, see what it stirs up in you. And to my friend who broke up with a boyfriend, you know, the question I had is like, why do you need closure? I understand that closure might be important, but it's good to just not to say it's important. Go within, spend some time within in a quieter environment, meditate or write down in a journal or do anything that soothes you in a sense and and what is it that there's a need in me to close there possibly a need a need to say goodbye i think it's uh, it goes very much along the same um, the same path you know closure and saying goodbye is important especially when you leave a place um, comes to mind is a book by it's an alexander book um a young boy a teenage young boy who is moving to a place a thousand miles away from his house and uh he's not willing to move and you see him going from place to place in his neighborhood um he said i would stay with this family i would stay with that family these ones were very kind to me for halloween got so many candy out there and these ones have a dog so you look at the things that you know where you were invested emotionally into your neighborhood and there could be places you are invested emotionally in your partner. And then, um, by all means, if it's important to say goodbye, say goodbye. Um, definitely. Um, the question is the ritual. You know, does this to be accompanied by a ritual? And, you know, if you're living in an environment and moving away from something, sometimes a, a going away party might be a good idea. Um, Again, I can't I can't speak for anyone else here. I'm just trying to extrapolate. And um, one thing we did in our son's daycare is to to bring flowers you know, the last day that he was there. Last Thursday, uh, yeah, a week ago, uh, we bought flowers to for four teachers that he met. That he was, you know, he had been in the daycare for like two and a half years, so it's quite a long time, and he went through four different uh, classes. And we talked to them, and, and um, one woman that he had early on, her name is Barbara, was very upset. And she was, writing a, she was working with toddlers, like two to three years old. And she was writing a letter um, explaining how upset and sad she was. She was uh, writing to the parents of the kids in her class. And at the bottom of the letter, there was a, a sad face. And it was nice. We bought a, a bouquet of flowers as well, and she she was happy to to receive it, and she gave us a copy of the letter as well. I mean, we were not especially concerned because our son had been out of our class for at least a year and a half, if not two years. But still, there was a some sort of relationship, and she gave a hug to our son. And um, so, they, they, you know, there's a lot of ways you can honor that relationship or honor what you experienced. What you shared, again, this idea of the shared heart. The more heart you put into a situation, the more heart you put into um, a person. You know, um, the more I think it will blossom in the future, and possibly the more important it is to say to say goodbye and to bring this uh, this closure thing. Um, I think in many cases too, what comes to mind is that uh, closure helps to put things behind. And um, again, from an emotional part of view, it's very, very, um, very soothing, very, very helpful um, to say goodbye and open the way to a new new path, a new adventure, whatever it is. In our case, it's just a summer adventure for our son, but still, um, you know, we're obviously concerned as parents, it makes sense. So, thank you very much for listening to my closure stories. I may have a couple more to share in the next segment, but um, thank you.
0: the bottom line in business talk Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jill Asselin. To reach the program, call in to one 472 5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program.
2: Hello again, this is Jill. Thank you very much for for listening and being there today. So earlier on, I was talking about this uh, experience of of closing and closure, uh, talking about our son's transition to a new daycare and how to say goodbye and going for some sort of a ritual, a graduation ceremony. Um, That being said, he had initially had a lot of difficulty pronouncing the word graduation, so it was a good learning experience for him. So grateful about how things went, and it's like, now that the care is closed, so we know we can we pass by the building fairly often, it's next to our gym, and that's the way it is. Talking about, I'm looking at a quote that I wrote down, I think I used it in, in, uh, in a previous episodes three or four weeks ago, but it's a quote by, um, excuse me, a young woman called Sarah Isabel Marie Johansson. Uh, She writes very beautifully and she she has a blog called The Worlds of Comfort. Not words, but Worlds of Comfort. And she's originally from Sweden and she moved not so long ago to the Canary Islands um, off the coast of Spain. And um, she talks in this about, oftentimes about the wound. And there may be a wound in the... um, in whatever situation that you are living or that you are closing. And I will mention one of mine um, soon. But it is what she says, and I think it's so beautiful. It comes from a post called The Journey of a Soul. And she says, this is the first stage of the teaching of the unity consciousness, to unite yourself with the dark and the light within you, to not reject the dark nor the wound by wanting to escape it. But to be completely present with it, by loving it and inviting it, no matter how unpleasant or uncomfortable. And this is a kind of spiritual advice that I keep giving and keep seeing. When something difficult or painful happens, we cannot, we should not reject it on the purpose that it's not a pleasant thing. It is part of who we are as well. There's a reason why it comes into our lives. And there's beauty in it, and and oftentimes we don't realize how beautiful and how valuable it is until sometime down the road. And I keep thinking in, the, in this area about my dark night of the soul that I experienced in in graduate school twenty four years ago. It was a very very difficult time. I was completely lost. Um, as I said earlier, the, the floor of my life had collapsed. I don't know where I was. Uh, I was in Wisconsin. It was my first year and a half in Wisconsin, away from home, and a foreign land. Um, I had no more landmarks. And yet, because of what I went through, something something started seeding us, and something started to take place. Something started to, to merge when she says, you know, to unite yourself with the dark and light within you. Maybe that was the beginning of the process of merging, merging the dark and the light. And eventually the light is going to take over in a sense. But if the light doesn't find the dark, if the dark is hiding all the way into some sort of unknown cave that you have sealed, and you make sure that you never go there because it's too painful, because it's too dark, how are you planning to heal? How are you planning to become whole? Because this darkness of presuming we all have some and some people have more than others for whatever reason it may be a blessing to have more than others we don't know we don't need to know anyway but if we keep it locked in in a sense how can it bear fruit how can it bear beauty in a sense it's it's, again, part of who we are. And it's something we need to honor, I think. To honor, to acknowledge, to quote-unquote work with it. And what came out of my dark night of the soul, I think I worked with it for a good 15 years. Somewhat consciously, but also somewhat unconsciously. There was like a, a wound. I called it a crevasse similar to what happened in the glaciers you know, in the high mountains. There was like, through that crevasse, there was things seeping through and they were coming from, from within myself. And they were coming out, they were going to be released. I would say that these dark feelings, these dark, I will almost call them ghosts, that had been with me for like 15, 20 years, since my early childhood, had come out for a a breath of fresh air. And in the process, they got dissolved. So in this case too, this is a a feeling of of closure. Um, A feeling of vanishing. That's the word that comes to mind. But there's a need there to open the door in the first place. And sometimes what Whatever the pain comes into your life allows this process of, of opening up to take place. And that shouldn't be neglected. That shouldn't be rejected. Uh, because a very, it's a very important step in our, in our life, in our growth. Uh, and again, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm doing a show about nurturing the Spelunker in all of us. Nurturing whatever comes out of our lives, um, whatever needs to be honored, in a sense, whatever is us, whatever is the, the I am that, I, um, that we carry, in a sense, in our genes, in our, in our spiritual DNA, in a sense. And briefly, I wanted to mention um, something that happened to me three or four years ago, which was very painful. I was part of a small spiritual group And for about four years, the first year I was just attending the meetings um, I think twice a month on a Sunday afternoon. Things were going well. And then I got involved a bit more deeply. I took an official position. And I was in a sense serving officially the group, the spiritual group. And then there was a person in charge called the master. And then one master. And then the second master came in. And this person was... I would say to put it gently, it was not up to par. And um, we were not really getting in good terms. It's not like we were at odds or we were arguing, but there was like very little connection between the two of us. And because he was not up to par, he wanted he went on to get the assistance of someone else in the in the group. It was much more so-called Matthew. Uh, I think he had been in that that kind of a practice for about 40 years he was in his early in his late 60s early 70s and this guy was the this older guy was like a dictator and with him I had a couple shouting match and a couple shouting incidents in public during meetings and he had sent me some emails that I thought they were very humiliating knowing he was an officially part of the of the group he was part of the group but he was not serving in an official role And um, at some point, the only way I could see was a way out. And my first term was for two years. And this kind of incidents happened during the the second term, the second year of my first term. And I was set to to suffer one more year. But I said no more. I said no more because I was, just to put it bluntly, I was being trashed. I wasn't being respected as a human being. And in this case, when came the, the end of my two terms, I, I bought the books. I was in charge of the accounting as well. I brought the books back to the group and I handed, handed them to the, in fact, to the um, older guy. Um, they couldn't find anyone to take care of the books. So he was going to, in this, at this time he was going to serve as an official uh, person and took care of the books and we went on to open a, a new bank account and I went with him and uh, this is a case um, you know I, I mentioned this idea of walking in and walking out walking out and then walking in and this is clearly a case where for, for the sake of my mental health I had to walk out there was no other way I mean I could have stayed on for one more year but it would have been misery um, and this guy was just nonsense. I mean, what he was saying was just he wouldn't respect anyone in the group, and he was just uh, enforce in a sense, his own rules. I've had, again, many cases, many incidents with him. Uh, in this case, there was no... At the time, I was working with my coach, the coach uh, Lev Natan that was worked in between 2000, 2011 and 2013. And I was very um, very grateful that I could talk to someone. I think it's very important to be able Not only to vent, but at least to, you know, to to look at the situation with someone else on the other side that can give you a fairly objective um, opinion. And my coach also said, you know, it's time for you to leave because you're you're running your energy and you're spinning your wheels and and you're getting into a situation which is fairly um, detrimental to you and to your health. And there was, you know, sometimes I had difficulty sleeping at night because of that. And my mind was running on, on high, you know, high gear, in a sense. And I was upset about things. And that's what I was saying at the very beginning of this show, that, you know, some situations are very destructive, very detrimental. And um, please don't don't stay there, in a sense. Leave as soon as you can. In this case, I was fortunate enough to, to be able to leave. And I did. And um, there was no sense of closure. I went to the very last meeting and I passed on the books and there was a ceremony as well because it was the beginning of the new year. But uh, interestingly enough, the guy who was not up to par. Thanked the older guy for all his service. But he never acknowledged uh, what I'd been doing for two years. And I thought, that's good. Exactly, that's the place where i don't need to be anymore. So the message is clear. I'm not really needed or loved in this place. And again, I think it's important to find situations where we are being loved, uh, where we are being nourished. And um, that's what we need to seek in our lives. That's what we need to call for. If we find a situation where we're not so happy, We have to ask for more. We have to ask for something better. We have to put our self-worth and saying to the universe, I deserve better than this. I can't be treated that way by these people. Please show me the way. Whatever creed you have, whatever belief you had in, in someone higher in the universe, talk to the entity. Talk to source, talk to the universe, as I usually call it, and find a way to uh, to move out. I think it's very important. I think staying in a situation like this, I guess, it, it's also um, a sign. To me, it's a sign of a lack of self-love because we don't think that we believe that we deserve more than that, and it's um, again, it's not a healthy situation. And it's not something I would like to inflict on someone else. Because when I use the word detrimental, what comes to mind is the blossoming of a person. You know, again, the merging into the shared art that Altair mentioned last week and the week before. In the situation where I was in this small group, there was no unity consciousness. There was just one person which was not up to par, which should have have never accepted the position uh, where he was. And there was a dictator uh, with 40 years of experience, we thought he knew everything. And we thought he had to um, enforce, uh, I can't find another word, but uh, impose. Impose his own rule because uh, due to his knowledge, he was above the, the rest of the coup in a sense. And um, again, if you find yourself in this situation, please get out of it. It might not be easy. And you may need some closure, um, but I think sometimes it's just more important to, in these case, I think it's important to escape. You know, uh, Sarah Marie Isabel used the word to escape when it comes to what you find within. Within it's fine to be there, and it's important to be there. But on the external, you know, when you find some some yourself in a situation that doesn't work for you, I guess it's important to, the work that I'm looking at at the moment in French, to tourner la page, to turn the page. And to move on, I guess, it's very, um, it's very unhealthy to stay there. So that will be my message for the day. I think I talked about a lot of things between closure, closing, escaping sometimes, you know, and, and leaving, and, and again, this situation of, um, of walking out and walking in, I guess. Um, believe in yourself and muster some spiritual confidence that, You can do this for yourself and possibly for the sake of the people around you, for the sake of your family. So thank you very much. I will be happy to see you next week. And I wish you a a beautiful week.
1: Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in all of us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giel Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again.